Welcome back to another episode of Clear the Air. That's the Simply Stogies podcast after show. You know, the real meat and potatoes behind this whole shebang. I'm your host, Tim. I used to go by Toolman, but I've recently been told I need to change my email address. So that's what I'm going to be doing. Formally, your host, formerly known as Toolman at SimplyStogies.com, will become Tim at SimplyStogies.com. I bring the hosts of Simply Stogies podcast, James and Nick, back to the mic, and we talk about the latest and greatest episode, you know, the whole thing they did. I don't even think it's work because one of the hosts was in Costa Rica. He was on vacation. That's Nick. No, 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 no. That was far from being a vacation. <laughs> well, I mean, it sounds That is where fun. I work. No, it's, it's, well, okay, I'm not going to lie. What I do is fun. Since I enjoy what I do, which is blending cigars and doing factory-related stuff, uh, you know, and I wouldn't exactly call it fun, but it's enjoyable. And it was definitely not a vacation. But my life is a vacation every day, so. Oh, there you go. There you go. That's a good way to look at it. I actually did enjoy uh, that episode being remote in another, uh, well, not inland America, for sure. and. It was kind of nice to see a little bit of a different scene behind you. So that was good. Okay. But what are you smoking? You didn't answer that. You didn't ask it. Oh, I didn't. Oh, yeah, that's right. I'm sorry. Uh, You did interrupt me. Yeah, yeah. This is going off to a good. Here we go. Well, so so everybody knows Nick is still a little upset because we're not on Zoom. We're on Riverside. So I get it. You're you're being thrown off your game. Yeah. Okay. Whatever you want to call it. Um. All good. What am I smoking? Yeah. I am smoking the Nick Lonsdale. Ooh. Well, why am I smoking this? Because it's what I had with me. <laughs> it's all right. Hey, it's a. It's actually a really great choice because uh, I am also smoking LH today. Huh? Look at that! Not that anybody oh, was ever going to ask. The factory, the the, the factory um, episode. Oh yeah, absolutely. In honor of the episode. So, did you hear it, Tim? Well, yeah, I listened to it. I tried to watch okay. it. I I couldn't watch it. Just because Why? the um, the setting that I was in, I couldn't focus on the video, so I quickly converted it to audio and listened to it. I see. Yeah. Well. Uh, maybe this is not the place to ask, but how was the audio quality? I know Felipe's mic was the earpods, and it didn't sound so good on my end. So is there anything you were able to do in post to make it sound better? Well, I'm not the one that edits that show, so we should probably ask James, the guy who's just sitting there in his chair oh, laughing okay. his ass off yeah. trying to figure out when we're going to introduce him. No, so, I, could, I could give two yeah. shits. This episode's yeah. not about me. It's about it's about Nick and the factory. I'm smoking yeah. Nico's. Uh, thanks for asking. Um, <clears throat> the honorable mention of our uh, top 10, our inaugural top 10 cigars. Uh, you can go check that out on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, uh, or even. Well, you know what? You know what, James? I wanted to say, again, maybe this is not the place to do it right on the air, but what the hell? We only talk when we're on the air. The honorable mention thing. Oh, here we go. That's a jab at me because Nick yep. has literally been trying no, to call no, me no. for like three days. Uh, uh, that's all right. I, uh, that's okay. Listen, we can be like, uh, 
what was that guy who said, fuck it, we'll do it live, you know, uh, on uh, on Fox, yeah, right? Yeah, well, it was back- we'll just do it all. We'll just air all our dirty laundry. Yeah. Um, it's okay. What I was going to say, I wasn't real. I didn't realize you were going to do an honorable, an honorable mention of the cigar because we had discussed that we didn't want to put the cigar. Or you asked me if the cigar merited being in a top 10, if it had. Would you be okay with it? And I said, no. Um, unlike some other podcasts that are out there and shows, uh, <laughs> you know, any names, full but... transparency, full transparency. You know, we want to not promote. I mean, look, am I promoting my brand? Look, I, I am LH. So, I mean, you the are mere wearing fact the shirt. that I'm on here. Oh, yes. And the mere fact that I am on this podcast uh, is a promotion of me i.e. the brand. So, okay. But as far as reviews and scores and all that, I did not want to participate. Uh, I'm not a big fan of that. Per- and I've told James anyway about that kind of stuff. I know it's important. I know people like to, to read it, but I like people to make their own opinions on stuff and uh, let their friends tell them it's yeah, good. Yeah, no, 100%. But anyway. And, 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 I, and I totally agree with you. Uh, however, like, which is why I put in the honorable mention because we, we don't review your cigars because See, but, you're part of the show. So you're not even technically okay. eligible, I guess, because they've got to be reviewed by us. Right. So why is it an honorable because mention? Because when you say honorable it mention, every, it seems like it's not good enough oh, no, to no, be no, on no, the top it, 10. It, it, it hit, Just it saying. Hit every metric. As I said, <laughs> as I said in the, in the uh, uh, video, it hit every me- metric that we, ha- that we have other than the score at the, at the end. In fact, Truth be told, and we'll talk about this more on the after show or on the uh, uh, after dark coming up, uh, which you already you missed it. It was it was three days ago, uh, but we'll talk more oh, about it then. Yeah. But but this was the this was my <laughs> most uh, smoked cigar in in the year of our Lord twenty twenty three. So there's there I there's just from an ethics standpoint, I couldn't not put it on there because this has been uh, uh, in my humidor all year long. So. And it's just so damn good. Yeah, I think that's why it's an honorable mention. I, I mean, because you're you're not really in the top ten, but if you know if there wasn't a little bit of bias there, then I would say yeah, probably would be. Yeah, I I guess I wouldn't have called it an honorable mention. Because uh, to me, honorable mention is something that's mentioned that doesn't. Come. Anyway, <laughs> let's not beat a dead horse. That's just my. Uh, Right, oh, well, this, uh, this we'll, horse we'll, is going to be beaten. No, no, we'll change it. We'll change it, whatever you want, Nick. If you want to call it. It's too 11, late. Too late. It's already out 11 there. In the top 10. It's already out there. Whatever you want. Whatever you want. Okay. Um, but yeah, so uh, yeah, this is the uh, the uh, uh, after show. Jesus, look. So for those of you, like, I need to give people some fucking context here because this is a shit show already. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is, is the show where we get to have fun. It is December 29th to let you guys in on when we're recording. So the the episode in episode in question uh, was recorded in November when you were in Costa Rica, correct? Yeah. Right, right. So while you were in Costa Rica, we had the opportunity for you to take some video uh, and send it to me. We had the opportunity to sit down uh, with Felipe and and talk shop and and, and, and like really have you kind of uh, pull the curtain back, so to speak, on the factory and its processes and the family and everyone that you're involved with um, down there in Costa Rica. So it's been a minute. Uh, I've just recently got over my fourth bout of COVID. 
uh, the family still COVID. Like we're we're getting ready for to take all the Christmas decorations down and 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 all of that stuff and getting ready for New Year's and we're plant like it has been uh, a crazy fucking month. Oh yeah, since, it's since, since we since we needed to do this. So. You know, at the same time, it feels like forever since we recorded our last episode, because usually we're banking and recording so many of them. It's been at least, uh, I don't know, a while. So this is our longest, I think, hiatus of not recording, at least me being yeah. re- on No, it. you're not. You're um, not wrong. For a long yeah, time. You're not wrong. Yeah. And, and, and so the next time that you're like, man, we're recording every week, I'm going to remind you. It seemed like we it. were. I know. So it was a nice it was, break. It was, it was a nice yeah. break. Yeah, we were recording a lot. I thought we were going to have the break till the end of the year, but yeah, yeah, you know yeah, that yeah. that changed well, too. But, I mean, did, did you uh, plan we got another it vacation? Okay. That we, I mean, I don't. I'm not sure why we have to hurry up and get these. Well, I am going. I am going back to Costa Rica in January. So yep, which is probably be recording from there. Just a regular show. Yep. Um, so. actually, when, when like so again, guys, you're just kind of seeing travel. how the sausage is made. Uh, how long are you going to be in Costa Rica? Do you know? Like six weeks? Uh, I haven't decided. I want to stay there a while, at least two weeks, but maybe a month. I may even go two weeks, come back, go two weeks, come back. Cause there's no reason that I shouldn't come back. And, but I just like staying out of the cold and I thought January was a good month for that. So getting out of New Jersey, it was either that or spending time in Florida. And I felt I could be a lot more productive. Uh, at the factory. Yeah, I could go on the road and hit all the, the southern shops, but I, I really do believe my productivity is better suited to being in Costa Rica. You know, I am blending new cigars and doing a bunch of other stuff and just uh, honing my trade. So uh, I want to spend more time at the factory. Yeah. Has James put in his application for LH tester, taste tester, taste tester, aficionator? <laughs> Is that a position? Just, I, I don't know. Yeah, you, if, well, it should be made up. Yeah. Yeah, right. Well, I, you know, I know there's some people that have official ambassador programs, you know, like McAuliffe and stuff. I've had an unofficial ambassador program for over 10 years where I have probably 15 to 20 people that I do uh, test out, you know, on top of the people that normally test my blends and uh, the people that I really, really get their feedback on not only in Cuba and other uh, people much, much higher up the uh, experience scale. Let's put it that way. So I like to get their opinion and see how I'm doing and take the feedback. And and then after I come out with what I think should be good, then I send it to my 15 or 20. Uh, and then after that, I have probably a hundred, hundred people that I let test first. Uh, and then those hundred based on those, uh, the feedback on that, I'll know what the response is going to be and whether I need to adjust it or change it or whatever. Again, you can't make everybody happy. Everybody has their own particular palette, but I get a consensus and I'll, I pretty much know if it's going to be well received or not. Let's, let's just put it that way. So what I got out of that, James, <laughs> is, is it i'm somewhere in the 500 range I am yeah the, your your experience level is yeah. way down here and you'll get to sample way way out here down the line 
like if you want to buy one and try it, go for it. Not true. Not true. I, I will definitely uh, send out as well. He has, yeah. Uh, yeah. He, he has yeah, sent me samples yeah. before and asked for my feedback. Like he is. Uh, and I'm very appreciative of that because I know that my palate is a shit palate. So I, I am very appreciative of that. Well, you can't say that if you're putting out reviews <laughs> that's kind of a joke. That's and kind of a joke. telling people based on your <laughs> feedback to but that's the, uh, buy cigars or not buy cigars. And that kind of would defeat that the purpose. That would, in fact, defeat the purpose. The top 10 I think I, I hope that our listeners and viewers are um, in on the joke. I, I would imagine that they are uh, by this time. I, I'm not we, a super taster, and I'm always learning. I, I'm not the like the best at communicating. I don't think like what flavors I'm getting in a cigar. I mean, I'm okay at it, uh, and it's, it's something that you just can continue to develop. I don't think it's something that you're ever like. I know everything, so. I mean, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. But we still have an answered the original question i and again time travel is hard but how was felipe's uh audio was it good uh it was fine for me on my end uh i'll be honest so i did not uh today was the day where i was going to uh really try to to buckle down and edit it because it was the first real day that i felt really good since having covid for the last couple weeks um and i did not get around to doing that at all so yeah, and I would say that on my end, it sounded good. I was yeah. able to to understand everything that was being said. I was able to understand and follow along with the conversation. So I thought it was good. Yeah, in in post, I'll be able to I'll, I'll bump him up, to, to turn him down, whatever I need to do. But I, I at the time, it, it well in the future, I'll keep that in mind because unfortunately, the the great idea to record from there happened when I was already over there. So I didn't even think about bringing you know, a second microphone. So I had mine and we'll, we'll, we'll back, talk about you know, this shit. offline, but we, maybe we'll just get uh, a setup for down there. There you and go. And then you can just you <laughs> keep it at the factory and put it wherever you need to put it and like use it when you're down there, if you want to use it. So I'm a, I'm a computer guy. So I'm just curious, uh, how, how are the internet speeds? I mean, from what I did see of the video, it seemed to, to flow very smoothly. Uh, I just didn't, I was just curious what the internet speeds were there. Well, I can tell you that we purchased the best possible bandwidth you can get at the factory. And at the factory, it seems to be fine. Is it gig speeds? No. It's probably, I think uh, it's like 250 megabyte, you know, which is not bad for no. over there because it's very, it's very expensive for one thing in Costa Rica. And for the residential plans that they have, they're pretty shitty because in my, my room where I stay, it's like, I can't stream. It's that bad. If I wanted to watch Netflix or something in my, it's not happening. It, it, there is internet. So, you know, yeah. But at the factory where we did the recordings and where I would do any future, um, recordings definitely, uh, is good enough for over there. Yeah, no, it was really good. I thought I, I was shocked because I've had. Um, other folks in the industry offered to do that. And, you know, I, I've always been leery of it, but I think after the experience with you, Nick, I might do it because it seems like if you put in the effort and the money to have internet, you're going to have pretty good internet down there. I mean, I even looked at the, uh, the, the Elon Musk, um, Starlink or whatever they're calling that. Yeah. I think it's Starlink. And I know people that have it. it. It's, it's a bit pricey. Um, but it, it's great for like 
mobility. If you're really traveling and you want to have internet anywhere, that's like the best possible thing you could me, have. And I know I this think. is Tim's area, but I'm going to take the, like, I guess the, the second question of this, uh, uh, clear the air is, is internet something that's super important down there to, to your business? Yeah. Every business, I don't care where it is in the world. Internet is important. There are countries that have got awful internet. Uh, the worst that I've come across other than Cuba, which had zero for many years recently, it's not even too terrible. They're mobile. Anyway, the, the mobile internet is fast uh, on the cellular level, but Lebanon, and that's by design, you know, Lebanon to me is a very, uh, hell I'll say it. It's a very corrupt country. Um, I think everything is a payoff in every which way. And they were even asked by Orange, you know, the French company, hey, we'll run our own trunk lines to give you better internet. And they didn't want it because they want to control it and everybody's on a kick. So the internet speeds there. And we were paying because we had the lounge in Beirut and it was barely, it was okay. It wasn't even the level of, um, I, I would say it was probably 50 megabyte at best. And you were paying through the nose for it. Again, it's been a long time since I was there, since that lounge actually closed in Beirut, but it was terrible there. Uh, Saudi, very bad internet as well. So you can imagine the countries that are doing a lot of, now Saudi, it's, it's, it's censored. So everything is censored. Um, so that would probably be why now, and we, you can use a VPN from there to get around some of the censorship. But then when you're using a VPN, your speeds are getting even worse. So Saudi is terrible. Lebanon is terrible. Costa Rica is not bad. It really isn't bad. I mean, it was, you saw it. It's doable. It's definitely doable. I've never been there, so I don't know. So if this is a dumb question to anybody who's watching this, then whatever it is. But as far as electricity, 110, 220, uh, what's your, what's your plug-in type? In Costa Rica? Yeah, 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 yeah. 110. Oh. Actually, I think it's both. They have both. A lot of these, you know, I never really mattered. It never really mattered to me because with the MacBook, it'll take any voltage and just using the adapter and, and I'm able to use with the U.S. style prong. So that's been fine. And, you know, it's funny, Beirut, not to talk about Beirut a lot. You want to talk about electricity there. There's three different companies that you need to have electricity with because they shut the power off every day. So you need to have battery backup and two companies. And again, why? Because everybody gets has to get a taste. It's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. But enough about Beirut. You guys are having me reminiscing. Beautiful city. You know, it's the, what do they call it? The Paris of the Middle East. The Mediterranean. Mediterranean yeah. well, you know, we, we should have Mediterranean. you put together like a top 10 list of places to go in the world. Oh, there you go. No, I oh, seriously. Yeah, I do that. I, to, to enjoy they, cigars. They, I, I think obviously, if well, I was going to guess, okay, Cuba's number You mentioned one. enjoy cigars. Let me tell you something. Number two for enjoying a cigar is Beirut again. Now, now I'm going to be, I, I'm going to be the, uh, you know, the tourist uh, agency for Beirut. There is no other place that I can think of off the top of my head where you can freely uh, smoke a cigar just about anywhere. And the majority of people there, it seems like, are smoking something or another. If it's not shisha, if it's not, uh, you know, something, they're smoking everywhere. They did pass in like, mid 2000, 2005 or so, 
this new law where you couldn't smoke inside. And the reason for that was Michael Bloomberg gave the city of Beirut X, X amount of millions of dollars for them to go smokeless. So they basically took his money, you know, pretended like they were going smokeless. They instituted a couple of rules and regulations, but again, nobody followed him. And of course, it didn't matter. So yeah, it's one of the countries where you can smoke just about anywhere. I rate countries for how much you can smoke uh, cigars or anywhere, right? For me, it's cigars. Uh, on the flip side, believe it or not, guys, Costa Rica is one of the most restrictive countries for smoking, really? especially cigars. It sucks. In contrast to, say, Nicaragua, where you can smoke pretty much anywhere there as well. Nicaragua is a very cigar-friendly uh, country, and Esteli being, you know, the city built on tobacco, you know, business, you can smoke anywhere, really anywhere uh, outside of Cuba. And Cuba used to be the best. And then again, they thought that all of a sudden when the U.S. market opened up a bit where they were allowing American tourists, well, we don't want to call them tourists, they're visitors. Um, all of a sudden the hotels first started banning it. I'm like, what? I used to be able to smoke in the damn hospitals, uh, cigars. And now, uh, now it's like, it sucks there as well. So they've joined the rest of the world with the anti-smoking. It's still a lot better than most other places. I, I'm not going to lie, but it's from what it used to be. It's, it's not good. It's not in the right direction. Mm. In my opinion, I think a top 10 list of, you know, destinations to go that are cigar friendly would be a really cool idea to hit because I think, I think James, you would agree. Uh, Nick, you would too. When you travel anywhere, you're looking for where are the cigar lounges? Where can I go have a cigar? You know, and I don't want to just go somewhere and then be like, Oh, can't smoke a cigar. I can't enjoy myself. Yeah, it, it actually. And we usually put together it, it, in a given year. There's usually three to four lounge reviews. Uh, that I that I put out. Uh, 2023 has the dubious distinction uh, that even through like, through the pandemic, I was doing that. I, I did not get a, a lounge review out this year. I did, however, visit a couple of great lounges um, uh, around the country. So I think that's something that that uh, you know you'll probably see reviews uh, uh, here in 2024 lounge reviews. Because I've got a couple to do, but it, yeah, it was, didn't it was the Livermore rough. Lounge get the review in 2023? Uh, but I didn't do it. You did. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's not a great <laughs> review. No, I didn't. Uh, it's just... Jesus. Fuck. I don't. Why do I talk to any, either one of you? God damn. You both just beat on me. No, uh, but. Well, you know, to answer, to answer Tim's question, kind of in a roundabout way, I think you said when you go, you're looking for places. I think all cigar smokers in general. Sure. When they're going on vacation or a trip, what is the first thing you do is you, you look you you research, you find where can you smoke. And I think just about anywhere in the world, if you know where, how, and you do a little bit of background and research before you travel, you'll find a place to be able to smoke. Some, again, are more restrictive than others. Like Paris, you know, is a wonderful city. But again, smoking, there are a couple places that are clandestine where you can smoke inside, but mainly you're smoking in courtyards, under heat lamps. But that's basically Europe in general. Everything is outside. That's the world in general. But there are places. There's always places where you can 
find some place to smoke because that's what we do. So I, I prefer to smoke outside. And, and I remember, uh, you know, we, we talked uh, a couple times via Zoom. Uh, Weather permitting, that yeah, is. Well, uh, yeah. While you were in Costa Rica. And, well, and it yeah. looked, I was just in awe of behind you. And you're like, yeah, it's just the fucking street, man. Like, it's just buildings and stuff back down. I'm like, I know, but Costa Rica, I, I, that would be, I think, a great place to, I, and I know you say it's restrictive, but you, you can't go to a, Very. to a beach or anywhere and smoke? So, no, they're, they're so against, uh, a beach you can, uh, at least I did, I didn't ask. Yeah. <laughs> but like, if you're on a hotel property, get arrested, we're if good. you're on a hotel property, you can't even smoke in the parking lot. You have to literally step off the property. You can't be outside your room smoking. You can't be in the parking lot. We had to literally go outside the parking lot. I'll tell you a quick funny story. When I was there with Jim Robinson, you know, Island Jim, the other half of Nick and Jim, um, he, he is very adamant about his smoking as, as so much as he is about his Heineken uh, drinking. He loves his Heineken and he loves his cigar. And if you don't have those two things for Jim, it's not a party for him. So he cut his uh, Costa Rica trip short because he's like, this sucks. Uh, let's go. So we literally drove to Nicaragua over the border and just extended our time in Nicaragua. And I get it. You know, now keep in mind, I did factory tours or I started. The idea was to start doing factory tours and we started doing them in 2020. And um, I had to do a little bit of work. Cuba is a lot more work because of logistics. Costa Rica, the hardest part is just being able to find places to be able to eat and smoke. Again, outside, but, you know, and finding some type of Airbnb and places that you can at least smoke on the property because it's private. So an Airbnb, we were able to smoke, you know, on the terrace, on the back porch, things like that. Um, but inside, there's nowhere. I mean, but I have the factory and you can smoke anywhere there. So that's great. Yeah, I was going to say, couldn't you just do like an after party at the, like in the parking lot or? In we the did. We did a lot of time. We did a lot of time inside the factory. We have, uh, I guess, large, you know, meeting rooms and lounge type rooms in the factory where we all sat and smoked. So we did a lot Which of our Tim, smoking yeah, there. Yeah, because Tim hasn't seen any of the, I don't want to call it B-roll because it's just, it's a, it's, it's footage that we, I put over parts of, uh, of the video, uh, of the podcast. Um, you know, and so actually I have seen bits and pieces of it, okay. uh, because okay. yeah, cause Nick uploaded it to me and then you downloaded it from me and I did. So I did see bits pieces, but I didn't see the final product. I don't know where you put those B roll into yeah, the yeah. final Cause I mean, product, walking you know? into your, into the, uh, <laughs> into the factory, like there's a nice like reception area and lounge area. And like, it's like, I, I remember thinking while you were, you know, while I was looking at the video and even while you and I were talking a few times and so I was like, man, God damn, I, I really wish I was there with him, sit down, smoke a cigar, like do the factory tour, meet the people. Cause it just, it looks fantastic. Yeah. But you know what that would mean, James? Yeah. I'd have to fly. Getting on, yeah, you'd getting have on, to get a, plane. on a plane. Look, I will drive yeah. to wherever I need to drive to to get on a plane to to go to Costa Rica. Well, you could but, drive to Costa Rica. But, uh, yeah, well, I'd rather not. So it would be a, it'll be it'll be a little it long. Would be very long. You could get there, and it would be yeah, maybe <laughs> not the best or safest trip. Well, Nick, yeah. I, I know that we're not going to get you. You said driving down there. <laughs> <laughs> I know people that have. Yeah. Do you really? People that have driven. Yes. 
I know one person in Did particular they have to pay that the drove cartel when all they the way. drove through Mexico and shit. I don't know. He asked me to take a trip with him, and I said, "No way, I am not going to do that." Because uh, literally, he drove all through Mexico, and then I think he drove to Nicaragua because he lives in Nicaragua. He's an American, lives in Nicaragua, and he drove the whole way. And I'm like, you know what? I take a lot of chances, <clears throat> but ah, uh, which helped? Yeah, not, not that one. Like here, how far away from the airport in Costa Rica is your factory? Uh, without traffic, it's about 45 minutes. So that's not bad. So it's a much better than like when you go to no. Esteli. Yeah, Esteli is like two yeah. hours. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like two hours and it's... From Managua. Yeah, and it's yeah, yeah. it's not... Like you're on back roads and stuff. Yeah, the roads aren't exactly the yeah. best. Costa Rica roads are actually not bad. The highways have really improved. And since they don't spend money on an army, thanks to the U.S. government, all that money goes to everything else in that country. Well, it's true. No, it, it's true. It's what a lot of people don't know this about Costa Rica. I didn't. I did they not do not have that. an army. They do not have an army. They have the U.S. government. So if they ever have a problem, they're just going to say, hello, Mr. President of the United States, we need help. And because of that fact, they're able to save millions and millions of dollars in military. How, how many factories are in Costa Rica that you know of? There's, I, I could think of two, yours and another one. But there's there's another one actually on the other side in the same province uh, in a farm. It used to be called Cordelia. Uh, there's there's about five or six, maybe more. The Don Benigno had a factory there. Uh, the El Septimo guys, and then the guy branched off from El Septimo. He started his own factory. So there's probably about five or six, you know. Okay. Um, we are the largest for sure, and we're a mid-size, you know, level um, cigar, sh- you know, factory, but good, good enough size. Yeah, if you guys haven't watched the video uh, of, of the last episode, uh, the factory episode, go go check it out. Uh, it's not it's not like there's a lot of footage. I don't think there's there's probably five minutes worth of of, of factory tour footage. But it gives you a really good idea of what it looks like and kind of what goes on. And, um, you know, Felipe and, and Nick did a great job on the podcast, kind of breaking down some of the processes and, and how long it takes and, and, you know, where the tobacco comes in at and then what happens to it once it's there at the factory. Yeah, we've also keep increasing the amount of rollers. We're up to 40 pairs right now, which is which is a lot. I mean, we wow, were at 80. 32, 33. So, you know, I would say it's a good mid-sized factory okay. some people would say larger factory um but you know it's a good size factory and we're growing well nick i know that uh, you're gonna have trouble getting james on a plane but um if if you uh i recently became a uh, big boy and uh, obtained my uh, traveler book uh so if travel what is that what yeah, is my passport Jesus, why is, is that, is that what passport? you're <laughs> why would you say traveler book Traveler book. Yeah. When I think of traveler book, I think of a child's ah! little book where you could put the little stickers in. And I went to this that's, country. That's exactly what I got. What I, I got the, I got the water bottle where you put the stickers on. Yeah, that's that's yeah. exactly what I did. Or on the back of your bumper on your station wagon. Yeah, yeah. been there, done that. You visited? Yeah, you got that too. Yeah, okay. yeah, absolutely. So I mean, Tim, is um, I'm going to take that back you. though. I'm going to take that back. <laughs> if you're going to be mean to me, I don't want to come and hang out with you in Costa Rica. <laughs> That's not being no. mean. I'm just making light of the. Uh, no, that was no. Mean I know. Being I know. Mean. I'm going to be like mean ban- to you in banter. any country I'm in, Tim. Yeah. No. I know. I know. Okay. I I know. <laughs> Jeez. Wow. Okay. Well, I mean, here, here. So when you guys were talking, you were talking about uh, when when Felipe was young and he was a kid running around the the factory. 
Are there yeah. still kids running yeah. around the factory today? There is. Andres, <laughs> uh, who is uh, Don Allman's uh, son, who's really the operational manager of the factory, he was also very young when uh, when I came into the picture. He is in his early 30s, and he has four kids, his oldest being now about five. Wow. You know, he's got a couple of, of uh, newborns, and he's got a, like a two-year. Yeah, I think he's like four or five. So they're in the factory, you know, and they're very comfortable there, just like they were probably there from, from birth also running around. So other than that, there's no other kids. Well, yeah, fa- family kids. But, yeah, it's, we, yeah, we got a daycare yeah. over here in Wing Two. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm like, where's the right, daycare right. at? Yeah, no. Jesus. No, that, have have either of you ever or do, remember growing up and hanging out and running wild in a business? No. Oh, I can. No. See, I, I was raised um, <clears throat> with manners. <laughs> well, so, that's why we don't get along. It's probably it's probably why. Uh, but yeah, like there was no oh. running around. It was sit down, shut the fuck up. Like kids are meant to be seen, not heard, kind of thing. Uh, you know what? I I uh, I had some nice memories and you know flashes of of uh, scenes in my head when my son was little. I, I as I mentioned in past podcasts, in my other life, I was in the electronics business, home theater design, and home theater stuff. And I had a retail store in North Jersey that uh, we had different departments. We had cellular, we had audio, video, car audio. And my son, when he was little, I'm talking from age two, you know, would come by and he wanted to spend as much time as he could with me. He That was to him better than playground, you know. And when he was about five years old, he would come and pretend like he was working, you know, and he took his job as you know, the owner's son, seriously, he'd walk around with a little clipboard, you know, and act like he was like the boss. And it was like, it was comical, you know? That's amazing. Yeah. But yeah I, I would have done the same thing if my dad was the boss of something. I would have been walking around with a clipboard, little little shirt and tie on, probably clip on, whatever. Yeah. I would have absolutely done the same thing. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I remember when I was a kid, my, my mother uh, worked at, and it, this is a small town, Iowa, uh, worked at a craft, uh, craft store in, in the local town. And you don't have a babysitter. You don't have anywhere to go. You, that's where you hung out and wasn't a big place. But yeah, I used to just run up and down the aisles and try to I don't know, figure out how putty works and yarn. I don't know. I mean, this this really explains why I am who I am. God dang it. It really does. That, that <laughs> one little tidbit, Tim, tells me volumes about who yeah. you are as a person. We're getting to know Tim. Yeah. yeah. It's like we therapy don't, time don't, with Tim. We don't we don't nobody wants that. So what was so what was with the how long does it take to unpack a ton of tobacco? What was the measurement? Because you talked about how long it would take if you had a ton of tobacco how long it would take to sort that tobacco out was there a reason for the ton is what i'm asking well it comes in big bales you know i don't know if it's tons i don't remember saying tons if there is i don't actually know how long it takes but it's sorted out you know we have a department that <clears throat> breaks it down you know these stems sorts i mean there's all that all those things if you watch the program it kind of goes through the steps 
honestly don't know how long it takes. What uh, did Felipe say? Actually, I, I think you said like four or five days. Yeah, I think it was four or five days to process oh. the as the bails come in, right? So you get one, you get a bail four to five days, like per bail, and then like it, Nick said, it's sorting, it's destemming, and then it's putting them in the in the pilon, right? getting them in the one, yes, one, right. once they're sorted they go into pilon and and like then you're starting that that uh, uh it's not ultimately sorted sorted until after the pilon right. but it's sorted somewhat in the pilon as well according to size not much more then it's further sorted to, you know the difference between a wrapper and a binder and all the different leaves but once it's put in the pilon you know um yeah then it's ferment and that takes time depending on what you're cooking that day or how you're cooking it. Yeah. Which, you know, you, you can ask for any kind of tobacco you want. Right. And then the factory will go source it. Like, I guess for me, a lot of my interest lies in, in how the blender thinks and then how the blender goes about procuring something that maybe the factory doesn't always have on hand. Yeah. I have to put in requests for certain things. Uh, we're not like, like Placencia, if you want to see a blending room, man, they do it right. There's a room they call the blending room. And there's these little, they reminded me of for people that are over the age of 40 in the library. Remember those cards, those little card, you know, oh, the, the card Dewey catalog. system yeah, the Dewey with Decimal the actual system? Ca- yes. card yeah, catalog. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. picture these little card catalog, little filing cabinets, in, but they're long and they contained tobacco from 80 different countries, various tobaccos. So when you're putting stuff together, so they obviously store a lot more tobacco, but they were, you know, before they started making their own brand and stuff, they were just solely making, you know, cigars for everybody else. Uh, Some of the best rated stuff has come out of the Placencia factory as well. And that is a, that is a blender's playground. You know, you could just do so much. Uh, you can get in trouble too because you don't know what you're. If you don't know what you're doing, and you start picking out tobaccos, you're basically wasting a lot of time. But even the people that go down there to blend, they usually have somebody that kind of guides them along, saying, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, don't do this, don't do that." You know what I mean? Which, again, depends on what somebody considers blending versus, you know, helping come up with a blend or. Is there a I, look? You know, and I get from from your standpoint, Nick, that there is a difference. This is, uh, there's, there's a difference for you because you're a blender, but in, in the grand scheme of things in the, in, in the tobacco world, in the, in the world of cigars, like, is there a real difference between someone like you who is a blender who goes in, knows what they want, like in there, you're, you're, you're tinkering around in the kitchen compared to someone who comes in, isn't sure they've never blended before. Maybe they're, they're hooked up with a blender. Maybe you're like someone like yourself or somebody in the factory who kind of knows what they're doing. They kind of get the help. And then the guy who comes in and they're like, Hey, there are, you, you said you wanted this, this, and this, there are 10 blends here that we've got already rolled, smoke these, see which one you like. If not, like we can go back to drawing. So is there like, is it like a hierarchy? Like, do you look down on the guys who come in and get help blending as opposed to the guys who come in and are like, well, I'm looking for a certain profile. Well, we have these and they just pick a blend. Uh, and then of course there's, there's you who's a blender who comes in and like, I'm going to blend my own to my taste. I'm going to do this myself. Look, there, there's no shame um, for any of the, whatever level you're at when you're producing a cigar, there are people that are just basically saying, Hey, I want something 
I always get people say, hey, I want something that tastes like a Padron. And I would go, well, buy a Padron. Why would we make another Padron, you know? But the point is people say I want so, but it's good to know when I'm blending for other people, I'm like, all right, what do you want it to taste like? You know what I mean? So you, you, they have an idea. The, the best thing a, a blender or a guy that's behind giving his seal of approval or approving a final blend, the more he knows what he's looking for, the easier it is to blend for, you know, because if they know what they want, they'll know. So they're, you're giving them constantly different things to taste. Now, do you get to the point where you're actually, are these people are smoking the little puritos and, and trying to figure out this blend goes with this blend? Most people don't do it, meaning this cigar doesn't go with this cigar. Most people are going, no, give me something in this area. And then you'll give them something and they'll say, ah, you know what? I wanted a little bit of this, or I wanted a little bit more sweetness, or I wanted this flavor. And yeah, there's all different levels of people that are people that are just approving blends. There's people that are just have more input on them, what tobaccos they want to use, you know, so there's all different levels, you know, it's all different levels. I don't look down at anybody. If, if you're in the cigar business, I don't care what you're doing. You're creating something that you're passionate about, whatever your level is, you know, there's no shame. Uh, I think people that tend to say more than they are, I keep my mouth shut. But yeah, there's different levels of blending. I will say that. But there's, I don't look down at any level of blending. Yeah, no, I, to me, it's more of an experience thing and a transparency thing, like you just kind of alluded to. If you're if you're picking a blend, which is fine, I don't have a problem with that. But if you're going out and saying, "I blended this and I came up with this," like you're a liar, and and right. you deserve you deserve to be shamed. But if you are one of those guys, it's like, oh yeah, no, like I told them what I want. They sent me, you know, ten samples. I smoked ten samples. I didn't like it. They sent me another, you know, seven samples. I didn't like it. They sent me another five samples. And I picked something out of that five and you're transparent about it. I think that's fine. Cause you're, again, you are, you're, you're still uh, contributing to the lifestyle, to the uh, overall uh, hobby and uh, economy of, of cigars. So I don't, I don't have a problem. The industry, the passion, yeah. whatever you want to call it. We, we also did something that I, I don't know if any other factories, do this because I've never had this part done to me at any other. I've visited a lot of factories. I've done a lot of different factory tours, but the one thing that I wanted to do in the factory tour, um, and sometimes, you know, you, you get, you get great ideas. Like I just was at the La Aurora factory and man, they, it's very well done commercially. It looks, it's polished. It's a definitely polished factory. Um, but what I wanted to do part of the tour that I was providing was I wanted to do a blending seminar, not a Jose Blanco type blending seminar uh, where, uh, you know, he, that's kind of his thing. And he, he goes through and he talks about the different leaves and everything. We did a little bit of that, but when you have, generally speaking, I have between 10 and 12 people that come down on a tour. The way we do it is we have them assigned to a pair of rollers, each person for the day or the two days. And you basically come up with your own blend, but they will guide you the right way. They will show you a list of tobaccos that you can choose from. And if they say, well, let me try this with this, they may say, oh, okay, if you want to, but maybe you should try this one. But if they really want to do it, and we let them, you know, we let them tinker uh, within a within their sandbox, so to speak. You're, all, you're not given 80 different countries that produce tobacco with, you know, 300 different, you know, types of tobacco. Right. You're working with about eight to 10 different possibilities. And the reality is that 
you pretty much can't fail. You're going to make something that's definitely smokable at the end of it. And at the end of the two, three day process that we do it, we actually have a little fun contest where myself and some of the other guys in the factory, Andres, we actually kind of like do a, our, our idea of what we thought was a better blend or not blend, you know, all in fun. It's like uh, Willy Wonka and the Cigar Factory. Yeah, you know, it it was. It's a fun time. People really seem to enjoy it. And when they created their own blend, whether it was good or not, they loved it. And what we did for everybody is we we gave everybody a little kind of going away present where we actually made a box, we engraved it, we put custom blended by, and we engraved their name on it. You know, at the LH Factory tour, blah blah blah. And they got to take home you know, a couple of those sticks, five, 10 of those sticks. And if they wanted to buy more, we would make more for them just for that, you know, for that trip. And I think it was very special for them and they, and they enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, you kind of blend your own cigar and that's your, what you say is the, the blend that you like. And uh, a lot of people don't get the opportunity to do it because it's kind of costly and, and expensive uh, to do something like that. And for what we do and for what, you know, and again, it was more of a, I hate to use the word marketing because I don't do a lot of marketing, but for me, you know, I was bringing people there that are passionate about cigars and hopefully knew something about the factory and my cigars and got a chance to experiment with different tobaccos and come up with their own blends at the factory. And it was, it was fun for me to do too. I I love teaching people and talking about cigars and, uh, you know, having them be in the factory. Uh, it was, it was fun. I enjoyed it. And, I look forward to doing that again sometime soon. I, I want to ask you this, and I didn't want to ask you on the episode, Nick, because I thought it would be rude. And, and I know that you you are, are one of the owners of the factory, um, Tobacco de Costa Rica. Uh, so if you don't want to answer this, you certainly don't have to. But there are a lot of factories around the world, a lot of famous factories around the world. You mentioned Placencia, uh, Arturo Fuentes, J.C. Newman's, uh, Padron's, um, uh, Aganorsa Leaf. If there was one of those factories that somebody came to you and said, pick whatever factory you want, you can go play in that factory, blend a cigar, use our tobaccos, whatever it is, you know, for a month. Like, where would you want to go hang out for 30 days and blend every day with with the different types of tobaccos around the world? You know, one of my biggest regrets was that I didn't get to spend more time to learn under the tutelage of one of the best, in my opinion, this guy was, man, the knowledge this gentleman had in his pinky was more than I will ever gain in a lifetime. His name was Arsenio. Arsenio was, I don't know if his title was Master Blender, but he basically controlled that factory. This is the Agonorsa factory we're talking about. And I remember when I first met him, we clicked you know, he's a Cuban that went over there and he was working for, and he was an older gentleman when I met him. He was probably in his um, late 70s, early 80s is what my guess was. And he had worked 30, 40, 50 years, I don't know, in Cuba. Uh, and he went there and that's, I really have a lot of respect. Look, every factory has their signature type of tobaccos and their, their tastes and where their blenders seem to guide people to. Arsenio to me was the closest to a Cuban style blend and he really appreciated, but he also was very open to any other, obviously anything else, but he just understood. And I just kept asking him a lot of questions and he, and he, uh, you know, recommended some books, like literally textbooks 
of tobacco that I, you know, devoured. And I'm not a big reader of textbooks, but when it comes to tobacco, man, I'll read anything. And I learned so much. And I remember saying to him, one day, I want to come back here, just like you said, for 30 days, would you have me just to kind of be a fly on the wall and watch what you do and, and just through osmosis alone, pick up what information I can from being around you. And he said, absolutely, whenever you want, come on down. I think he generally uh, liked me. We hit it off, and I was so looking forward to doing that. And unfortunately, Arsenio passed. And um, yeah, he's he was one of the best. Another guy that I never really, I've met him, but you know, our, Henke Kellner is another one that's uh, a guy that knows more than anybody will forget about blending cigars. Um, you know, I got to spend some time with uh, Hiroshi, Hiroshi's fa uh, grandfather, Alejandro Robina. And back then I spoke, not that I speak Spanish well now, but back then I was like, I mean, early days, I hardly could speak. And I'm telling you, just by being around him, I just picked up stuff, you know, and and asking him questions in the beginning through translators. And then later on, I was picking up more and more Spanish. And I didn't get to be around him for many years because he died in 2011, I believe, on his 91st birthday. Mm. Uh, I was at his 91st birthday, actually. And he died like two months after that. And um, that was a sad day as well. But Arsenio is one that I really wish. So to answer your question, and I still think his guidance and and what he's set in place in our in the uh, Aganorsa factory still carries on to this day. Um, so I really like Aganorsa um, factory and the way that they blend stuff. And um, yeah, that's probably would have been my choice. That would be uh, really cool if you could go back in time. If you had a DeLorean and you could go back in time. If I if I was in the position I am today, I would have already been there. Yeah, but. Uh, that was a long time ago, and I, I, I would spend as much time as he would allow me there, you know, because there is just so much you could pick up, you know, that, that you can't just get from textbooks or, yeah. you know, this guy was, you know, he did it, he lived it for over half a century, you know. Well, and you're, I, I would venture to guess that you're a hands-on type of learner. I think yeah. in tobacco you need to be, but yeah. there's also a lot of textbooks stuff you can learn there's a lot of books out there that you can learn some of the background but when you're not if you're not actually doing it that's the only way to be when it comes to this business you're not going to learn about blending you can learn about the process you can learn about the the techniques the technical aspect but if you're not actually doing it no it's like driving a car can you learn how to drive a car from reading a book on driving a car not well you can learn everything about it but if you the first time you sit behind a wheel you're going to crash if you don't take it easy and slow and 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 learn it, figure it out, you know? So yeah, it's definitely hands-on for sure. I had uh, one, one question that I was thinking about while we were talking about the processes and the leaves and, and, and all that. And we talk about the leaves, the tobacco, when it comes to the factory. But I was always curious when you're purchasing those leaves is like, is there a catalog? Like, does the farm say, hey, you can purchase this, but you have to purchase this amount of weight? Or can you say, I kind of need this amount? Well, it depends on who you're purchasing from. Now, we do have our own farm in Ecuador where we lease. And most of the wrappers, at least all the wrappers that I've used uh, in all my blends come from there. Uh, except coming up in and this year, coming up, I'm 
veering away from that for the first time. Uh, I'm using a, a wrapper that's not from our own. But yeah, you buy it from whoever you're buying it from, whether it be Oliva or uh, you know any of the other various uh, companies that sell tobacco or other factories that sell tobacco. And you know, I, I don't do any of the buying. I've been on buying trips, but uh, Don Ullman, you know, who's the family, the the patriarch of the factory and of the family, of course, he really started off as kind of a tobacco broker. That was really his main business. And um, he does all the buying and, you know, you test it out because the key is a lot of guys, a lot of factories that are buying, you know, you may buy the first time right and then they might try to throw in some crap along the way. And if you don't know any better, you're going to buy a lot of shit tobacco. But the important stuff is that we don't buy, you know, pre-fermented tobacco. We do all our fermentation. I don't know if some factories do, but we ferment. And what makes our factory different, makes every factory different, uh, their unique style of how they're fermenting. We do different types of fermentation depending on the country of origin. Uh, like there's some, for some reason we use, and I don't, I don't, I'm not claiming to know how and why and the intricacies of how they do this, because, but this is what makes the factory so great and why I wanted to be a part of it from day one is, for instance, we use circular pilons when we come to our Dominican tobacco versus the rectangular style and there's a reason for it and I don't even remember the reason but there's a reason for it and and the way we ferment is different than any other factory every factory has their own style and if you don't figure it out on your own you're never going to get it right you know because everybody does it differently everybody you know the amount of time they're fermenting the the temperatures you're fermenting the types of leaves you're using so it's a formula like that's what makes a difference like I always say you know, I use a, a terrible analogy of like chicken, but like, you know, you could have five different cooks and they're all cooking chicken, but you have one cook who's a Michelin chef. And then you got a guy that's got the food truck. They're all cooking chicken. But what's the difference in the way? Because at the end of the day, it's tobacco. And okay, you got to make sure you have the right tobacco, but all things being even, you also want to make sure you cook it properly. And the cooking equates to fermentation cigar business well and that makes sense because you did say and this actually struck a bell with me i was like oh yeah that makes perfect sense um but every factory is going to have different processes due to its geographical location and i'm like i never thought about that but it makes perfect sense because yeah here's the recipe but we're 500 miles in a different direction and our climate's just a little bit different our we have all these other variants. So I was like, oh, that, that actually does make sense. Especially in Costa Rica where we are. We are, I forgot what the elevation is. It's pretty high up there. And the humidity level is just, you know, 90% plus. So it's crazy. Uh, so we have to basically let the cigars rest for longer to remove a lot of this humidity because it's literally wet. You know, the tobacco's wet. So yeah, the elevation is higher, which makes a difference. Now, we're talking about for the first time, and I don't know if I'm letting the cat out of the bag, of actually in the future, the near future, trying to grow some of our own tobacco in Costa Rica. Now, we do buy and we have local uh, produced Costa Rican tobacco. Um, but I, I do want to change the subject because this is actually supposed to be kind of a two-part episode. Uh, the first part, which is what we've been talking about so far, but... Uh, the last little bit here, and I think James will probably uh, take this over a little bit, 
Uh, but oh. we just wanted to take a little quick little snapshot of time to kind of do a quick year in review and a, a little look into the future. What are some of the things that uh, hopefully uh, you can expect from Simply Stogies? Um, for me, this year's been freaking absolutely amazing with the amount of people that we have met and the the interviews and the the wide range uh, of, of scope we have. And I know that's all because everybody wants to see Nick. Um, and so I'm oh, very yeah, grateful right. that Nick has come onto the podcast. Um, but uh, James, give me give me a couple of your highlights, and I'm going to ask you next, Nick. Well, I think I think it's kind of a, a two part thing. Looking back this year, there were there was it was a big year for cigars in general. Uh, the win against the FDA, um, you know, uh, I think that while the the little bit of a I, I don't want to call it a boom, a mini boom that we had in the pandemic, but I think the, uh, whatever spike we had in the pandemic is, uh, over and we've plateaued. Um, I think pricing going forward is going to be a big thing, but I think overall, uh, 2023 was a, a good year for the cigar industry overall. And so I, I, I'm excited to see where it goes in 2024, as far as, um, <clears throat> the podcast goes and, and kind of everything that we've done at simply uh, I want to, I want to first thank Nick for coming on board and doing this. <laughs> and, and Nick has done a great job, uh, you know, and he comes from the pedigree of, uh, you know, um, the radio show smooth draws, uh, which I oh, believe he's, oh, he we're referred, aware he has referred to this show smooth draws a couple <laughs> way too many times, um, yes. which, which, uh, you know, I'm honored that he, he, he makes that uh, mistake, uh, but it, having Nick on board has brought a level of knowledge and uh, legitimacy to the show that I, we certainly lacked before. And, and so I'm forever appreciative for everything that Nick has, has done for us. Um, you know, uh, we just brought on board uh, Carly Dawson and Eric Lemire, um, who are both certified retail tobacconists. Uh, and they have put out reviews for us and they're doing a great job. And so I want to thank them. I want to thank, uh, Michael Gouch, who does a great job with our, our uh, pipe reviews or pipe tobacco reviews, uh, you know, and then, of course, you know, our, our regular reviewers, uh, uh, Randy and, and Ryan. And uh, if I'm missing anybody else, I know Bruce was with us for a while. He's no longer with us, but I want to thank Bruce for, for what he did the, uh, this last year. Um, so everyone that does um, any kind of writing for, for Simply Stogies, it's, it's been phenomenal. It has been a banner year for us. We have met a lot of folks. Um, Charlie Minato had nothing but but good things to say about the interview that Nick and I did with him uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, on the show, and he put that out on on halfwheel.com, which uh, it shocked me. Uh, but again, I'm very appreciative of that. It's not, look, we have a lot of people from the industry on, and I am thankful every time they, they, they come on and they want to spend an hour with us and they want to answer our, our questions and let our listeners and our viewers get to know them a little bit better, know their products. Um, but not every one of them will, will, will put out there like, Hey, I was on the show. Go watch it. Charlie did, uh, Brian Desen did. Um, and so for those two specifically, like, thank you. It was great having them on. I'm looking forward to this next year to see who we're going to have on. Uh, I know coming up January, um, uh, it actually be the February 1st episode. We're going to have Scott Pierce from the PCA on. 
Um, we're going to have uh, Ricky Rodriguez and Sarah Rodriguez on uh, February 15th. We've got Rob Ayala coming up, uh, you know, uh, January 15th um, from uh, Friends of Abanos and uh, Bond Roberts. And I think that was a great conversation that we had. And again, that, that one is all Nick. Nick has personal relationships with a lot of these folks in the industry. And so we're able to, uh, you know, get a little bit of their time. And so, I, you know, this is still, I am shocked at how well this, this podcast does sometimes. Uh, it's, you know, I've been podcasting for more than a decade at this point, And this is the, this is still the, uh, the, the most successful podcast uh, that I've ever done. The website's blowing up every month. There's, there's more and more visitors. Um, and, and there's more and more downloads of this show. So I'm ex- uh, extremely appreciative of, of our listeners. And I am uh, certainly appreciative of our LE members. Uh, those of you who, who choose to, to send us money every month to help us stay uh, sponsor-free, ad-free here on the show. Uh, I know Sean Reavers just uh, re-signed up for a year, uh, $100. So thank you, Sean. Um, we've got Luke Cross and, and Adam Woods and, uh, just, I, I know I'm forgetting people, Chad. Um, but for everybody who does this, Chris Hansen, um, Dave Peters, like you guys are awesome. Like, thank you so much for, for all of your support that you've done, uh, given us, uh, this past year, we look forward to, uh, bringing you great content, uh, this next year. We've got the trade show coming up. We've got the mild Kentucky Herf in May. Um, those are the two big things that we've got. Um, you know, first part of this year coming up. Uh, so I'm looking forward to the trade show and certainly looking forward to getting back down to Kentucky uh, and hanging out with my friend uh, uh, Dwight and, and Steven and Tim at Fat Ash. It's going to be a great time. And hopefully I'll be able to bring Tim, <clears throat> my Tim, and uh, maybe Randy uh, with us. I know Nick. I don't know if Nick's going to be there this year. Hopefully Nick will be here this year. It's a good time. It's just a, a great time. So there's a lot of good things going on, a lot of great, great stuff. But yeah, um, so thank you to everybody. It has been a, a wild ride, and we're gonna we're gonna keep this thing going for as long as uh, as long as I can. And I should thank Tim as well. Nah, don't do Tim, that. Tim does a lot of stuff. Tim is look. Tim's the workhorse of what we do here. Everything on the back end is Tim. Um, you know, if I need him to do a review, he'll do a review. Uh, he hosts this show. He edits this show. He has a a lot of input and he is my, um, mule that I beat on a daily basis. Uh, and, uh, sometimes I'm not very nice to Tim. Uh, no joke there. (laughs) (laughs) So so, uh, yeah, I want to thank everybody, uh, especially uh, Tim and Nick. So there you go. Yeah. All right. Well, your turn, Nick. I mean, what was uh what was your year? Give us your quick year in review and what you look forward to in the future. Well, uh I got into the actual broadcast of element arm of the cigar industry because originally I was a guest on the show at Smooth Draws. And <clears throat> believe it or not, that was my major in college. I was communications with an emphasis in broadcast. That was in high school, I was station manager of my radio station, and in college, I was into it. So it was a passion also of mine. So it was kind of cool being behind the mic when I was a guest on the show. And then shortly afterwards, Gary Layden, who, you know, unfortunately, just, you know, passed away, he was the host, and he asked me if I would consider coming on. And I was like, you know what? 
this should be fun, you know? And, and it was a lot of fun. And, uh, I went from being a contributor, uh, to being the co-host of that show. And then when he passed, you know, we made the, um, decision to not continue the show without him too much work, to be perfectly honest. And, uh, even as a co-host, there was a lot on my shoulders that sometimes was more than I wanted to do because, uh, it was a lot. And, um, and then I started doing the show with, with James. Uh, we did the, um, the year of the Cuban sub series. And that was a lot of fun. And just talking about another passion of mine, which is Cuba related to cigars. And, um, he said, Hey, would you consider staying on in some way? And I'm like, well, how would you see me staying on? He's like, well, ultimately I'd love for you to be a co-host. And I said, yeah, why not? You know, first they said, how many times we're we talking about, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know? and, uh, he lied, but, I did. uh, I did. No, that's what he does. <laughs> you know, um, well, originally it was going to be the show, the one show. And I'm like, yeah, that'll be a piece of cake. It'll be fun. And then we started doing this show. And, and the reality is, you know, we have fun with the show. And I think that comes across to the, uh, to the listeners, uh, the fun that we do have producing the show. And, you know, we talk about cigars and the people that we interviewed and it's still, uh, in fun and, uh, light enough where it's not just all information. Uh, and I think, uh, it's a good show and I think we put out a good product and I still believe so. And, uh, I think we've really only begun to scratch the surface here about what we can put out and what we can produce. And, and hopefully we will grow as the time goes on. And I look forward to the, the next year of doing this. So well said, I mean, for me, uh, it started off very easy. Uh, all I had, but I to want to thank was, Tim uh, for all yeah, his no, hard work <laughs> and effort. No, 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 I, no, I didn't mention, I didn't no. mention, but no, Tim, uh, I know James said it, but I know Tim does a lot of behind the scenes stuff. Most of the behind the scenes stuff. All and there's a lot the on his shoulder stuff. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, and, and you know what, this is an not paid gig for any of us. Uh, we don't make money at this. Uh, we, we do it out of, you know, our love for doing this. And, um, people always ask me, you know, why do you do it? I go, because, you know, we actually do, you know, I, I, uh, I preach what I do and I think this is what we love to do. And, and talking about cigars is just as important as making cigars for me and getting the word across. And that's why I do this. So thank you, Tim. Sorry, you're welcome, Nick. Not not you, James. Thank you, Nick. Uh, <laughs> no, it's been a crazy uh, journey. And I, I, I really, uh, I, I can't stress that enough. Uh, we've tried different things in the past. We did cigars and coffee and we had fun, but it, it kind of got stale. It, we couldn't really see it going where we initially thought it was going to go. And uh, then we, we've tried new things and we got to this show, the uh, Clear the Air show. And now we have the After Dark, uh, which is once a month where LE Club members and uh, other special invited guests can come on and uh, hang out and stuff like that. James is going to tell us all about it. But we've grown so much in the past 14 months that we outgrew and we're, there's still a few areas of the technology that makes this work that, that we're going to grow out of, and we're going to have to expand. 
Um, so that's something that I've been working on a lot over the uh, past couple of months. And uh, Brian from uh, Smoldering uh, Ash. Smoldering Ash. Thank you. Once I said it, once I said that, I was like, that's wrong. Um, but he actually texted me and he's like, Hey man, I watched your episode. Uh, you look tired. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm tired. Um, but we, I finally got through that headache and we have a lot of technology that's ready for what I hope, uh, is to come. <laughs> that was his the, way of uh, saying next you didn't year. look good, Tim. You know that, right? He was like, yeah, hey, you look like dog shit. Well, you don't have to say you look tired to say you look like dog shit, but, uh, but, it, and it's great to have, um, followers and friends that, uh, reach out and say, Hey man, uh, you look burnt out. You look tired, but, uh, uh I, I think we're sitting in a good spot for the next year and uh, I feel re-energized. So, um, yeah. Yeah. They sent me a, they sent me a Christmas card, uh, Shauna and, and Brian from small and, and, and me as well. Yeah. So oh, I, nice. Nice. Yeah. Th- see, so that's very awesome. Tim, you that didn't get did one. That. Yeah. <laughs> Tim, you didn't get one. No, Tim got no one. I did. Yeah. I did. Oh, okay. I did. Uh, right. yeah. Cause yeah. Shauna emailed me a couple times, uh, like, Hey, I need your address and I'm just busy. And by the time I remember that she got a hold of me, I'm not going to text it. Did they send the you morning. like cream and stuff for like bags yeah. under your eyes? <laughs> yeah, like a whole makeup a kit makeup and everything. Kit. Yeah, 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 yep, yeah. yep, absolutely. They didn't send any uh, of that to me. No, 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 because they're not looking at you. Well, obviously not. <laughs> I'm letting myself go. Like I was talking yeah, to yeah, Tim yeah, before yeah. the show. I haven't cut my hair since probably the end of August, and I haven't shaved my beard since the end of August. Like I'm gonna like, and the wife likes it. He's going, going full feral. ponytail. I'm going full feral. I'm going to get to the ponytail. I'm going to have the Nick Sears ponytail. I am. I, that's what. That's the goal. Is the Nick Sears ponytail? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to start. <laughs> like, I'm yeah, going to okay, start whatever. growing mine in about four and a half years. <laughs> you don't think? You don't think it'll get there? Because I'll tell you, it might not. Well, already, eventually, eventually. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's not like you got to work at it. It just kind of does it on its own, right? I know, yeah. but it's so long, <laughs> yeah. and it's it just. Oh. It's it's work. It's, yeah. you know, but it's, you, it was you don't have the beard on top of it. You don't have the beard on top. Yeah, of I it. thought about doing a beard, but, uh, the reality is the wife doesn't like, I like, oh, see my wife I loves like. the beard. At least James, at least you have color in your beard. I don't, when I grow mine out, it's full gray. Yeah. There's still kind of some salt and pepper. It pisses me off. You know, what's funny is the other day I had my hair styled a, a different way than this. And my wife goes, Oh, and I go, what? And she goes, nothing. I go, no what and she's like well pony time no she goes she goes when the light hits your hair just a certain way looks like you have great accents i'm like mother fucker (laughs) like i get it i'm almost 50 i got a couple more years i'm almost 50 like jesus fuck i do not need gray hair i am 43 and almost have nothing but Yeah, but how much of that gray hair is due to me (sighs) well let me see here Actually, to be most honest with you, uh, no, actually, most of this was pre you. Uh, oh, you just right. helped maintain the gray. I do. Well, that's what I'm here for. Tim. That's what <laughs> well, I'm here for. we're running long, my friend. Why don't no, you uh, no, tell no. everybody what we got coming up and uh, get uh, us out like of here? Like I said, uh, next week, you're going to see uh, myself, Nick, and Rob Ayala from uh, Friends of Abanos and Bond Roberts. We're going to sit down. We're going to talk with him. It was a great conversation. I had a lot of fun. I learned a lot. I hope uh, you guys do too. It was a lot of fun. And then a week after that, we've got. Uh, the clear the air, which we're going to record in about 15 minutes, uh, just to give you a little bit of how the sausage is made. Cause, uh, all of these have been in the, like, we've had this in the can, uh, these two episodes, uh, 
for a while now for, for over a month so looking forward to, to getting that out and then of course like if you missed the january 5th don't worry about it february whatever the first friday of february whatever date that happens to be is going to be after i dark. believe Tippy that's uh, the second there you go february 2nd uh that's the after dark that'll be two days before my birthday it'll be the birthday episode of of after dark the live where if you're not an le member you can become an le member uh, just go to simplystogies.com, click the LE club at the top right, register $10 a month, $100 a year, and you too can be part of the conversation. You can come on, you can ask questions of me, uh, Tim, or uh, probably more likely you want to ask questions of Nick because he's the only one here that knows anything. Uh, and we have a lot of fun. It's our two cigar show uh, where we'll spend a couple hours from 8 o'clock Central Time till 10 o'clock Central Time hanging out, having fun with you guys uh, live on YouTube and Facebook. Uh, and you can join the conversation. If you're not an LE Club member, just uh, join the chat and uh, you too can, uh, you know, be a part of the show. Uh, I think that's all that we've got uh, coming up, Tim. Uh, February 2nd, we'll have uh, Scott Pierce, Executive Director of the PCA. And then February 15th, we've got uh, Sarah and Rick Rodriguez of West Tampa Tobacco. Uh, and that's going to be a lot of fun because I have a feeling Nick's going to ask Rick once again to do his Nick oh. Sears impression. He, he didn't answer the last time. <laughs> yeah, that was in person. Well, you got to keep I'm asking until. Gonna, gonna, the best chance I had is in person. I don't yeah. think he'll do it. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Well, I'll ask him. He might, he might do it if the cameras aren't there. Well, but they are going to be there. <laughs> so. like, no, no, I want this on camera. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, so that's it. Um, that's Tim somewhere, and that's Nick somewhere. Uh, I'm James. Uh, until next time, stay smoky, friends. <laughs>